Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Maura Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at fatfueledmom, and at fatfueledkids, and fatfueledfamily on YouTube. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, I just wanted to take a quick minute to talk about our sponsor, Keto Brick. As you guys know, I have been around since the very beginning when it was just an idea, when Robert was getting ready for the show that took him pro and he needed something to help him hit his macros. And I've seen it grow into the company it is today. Um, just so proud of my friend and I'm so proud of the company he's built, the people he's been able to help as he has several people who work for them. And so he's actually helping people make a living doing this now, which is just unbelievable and so inspirational to me. If you don't know what keto bricks are, they are shelf-stable fat bombs, for lack of a better term. They are 1,000-calorie bricks, and they have great ingredients. They have ketogenic macros, usually like 88 to 90 grams of fat with 30 grams of protein, and then the carbs are anywhere from 9 to 14. Super low-carb, super keto-friendly, and you can do all types of cool stuff with them. I tell everybody my favorite is Keto Brick Cereal. I chop it up into little chunks and serve it with a bowl of cereal with uh, almond milk or goat milk, which is my favorite. They have several flavors. They now have vegan and whey options. So they have the whey protein peanut butter as well as the old school pea protein peanut butter, which either one of them is easily in my top two. Go back and forth between those and the toasted almond coconut. So definitely go to www.ketobrick.com, get yourself some bricks, and use Vega for a chance to win a whole month supply of bricks. Welcome to the Fat Field Family Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Vega, and I'm joined by my stressed wife, Mauda. How are you, my love? Very stressed. <laughs> at what is, I don't know what cortisol is, but... Yeah, poor Mauda. Last cortisol November... Cortisol is at you, a low all-time... When you got your, your progesterone and cortisol tests and you were at zero, like, is there such thing as negative? Well, if there is, it's definitely now. <laughs> If there is, I've reached it for sure. Uh, guys, and, and just so you know, like what she's stressed about is it has nothing to do with what's going on in the world, even though it's yeah, very this, stressful. This oh. shirt, it, it's, it is part of it. It's yeah. why I can't tolerate what's coming next. What's the oh, next yeah. Thing? So, yeah, your, your, your patience is low. I have none. Yeah. And our, our children, our boys have, have done a poor job of, uh, of, of cleaning up after themselves and being good stewards of the things that they own in our house. And like, honestly, we only have two rules. The first one is... Do not encroach on the person or property of another person. And the second one is do everything you've agreed to do. So, um, you know, today, for example, Desmond said, I said, do you promise? I said, don't promise if you can't keep your promise. And and he said he promised. And, and, you know, he still, he said, but what if I forget? And I said, well, if it's important to you, then you won't forget because it's a promise. Yeah. So like, that's what we've been dealing with. And it's sad because Dean, um, (laughs) Dean is getting punished. And I told him, buddy, I love you so much, but I just want you to know your life is not going to be fun for the, for, yeah, for he the just sp- refuses. Like he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And he also does things to kind of get under your skin. Yeah. Too. He does it on purpose. So <laughs> is that your second? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. My yeah. second does that too. Like, yeah. yeah. He knows, he knows, he knows. <laughs> Like he would, he's, he doesn't do anything. And then like his poor brother's always cleaning up for him. Cause he just oh, wants yeah. it to get done, you know, like, Oh, just come on. Let's just get it done. 
but yeah and that's what i told him stop doing that which he yeah. has yeah. um and it's and it's kind of crazy because he's when he stops working for his brother like you really get to see like just how little dean does like he does absolutely <laughs> like like he was he, he he wrote me a book today did you see that he wrote me a book while he was supposed to clean yeah and i'm like puppy this is so cute it's adorable it's called dean and the dinosaur and like you know the the <laughs> words and the dinosaur. letters are all messed up i got it in here oh here it is you can look at it look at it this is dean and the oh yeah <laughs> dean and the dinosaur so it has like all <laughs> this so stuff funny. in it but... it's actually pretty good Anyways, look at his so letters. we don't want to be rude because we have an awesome guest and we're joined for the second time today by our friend judy cho from nutrition with judy and if you haven't seen her on instagram she puts out some awesome awesome infographics and other information judy's a nutritional therapy practitioner and has a psychology degree from the university of cal berkeley she was a management consultant for over 12 years advising corporate c-suite level management on areas from six um, on areas from successful project implementation to how to effectively streamline and change business processes. After traveling the world for her clients and constantly eating on the go, she noticed her health slowly began to decline and she suffered for a major uh, postpartum depression and struggled with disordered eating after her first child, which ultimately brought her to her to holistic nutrition. After healing, she found her calling in nutritional therapy and she's adamant about serving both her Austin and remote clients to be their best self uh, to be their best self, marrying nutritional science with psychology. Judy's a contributing author for an Austin mom blogger, and her book, The Carnivore Cure, is due out on December 2nd. Um, and, and before we welcome you, Judy, I, I want to, were you doing consulting? That sounds like consulting. Yeah, I was a management consultant. So we would go into these big corporations and they would say, hey, uh, we want to find cost savings or, you know, this, um, this group is not being streamlined as well. How do we make them work more effectively? We want them to like close their books 30, uh, two days earlier. Like, can you interview all the different work streams and understand how to improve it? So mm -hmm. that's the type of work I used I to I love do. that stuff. I, I looked yeah. into it for a while when I was, when I was graduating college, like oh, when yeah. I was thinking about what I wanted to actually do besides the fact that I studied political science and, and I, and I hadn't <laughs> applied about that to now, it's like, it's wow. funny. I only applied to, to one university both times, undergrad and grad school. And it was like, if I don't get this, then it's not worth it. It's not That's meant me, though. To That's be. how I am, too. I'm like, yeah. this is where I'm going to go. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> that, that makes sense, Judy. So welcome back. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So we always start with the question, what is the most critical problem you're currently trying to solve? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I guess um, in the world of kind of carnivore, it's really just having people understand that carnivore can be a really good healing tool. It's a great diet in terms of nutrient density, bioavailability, but sometimes we need to actually personalize carnivore. I used to be of the mindset where, hey, just eat two pounds of meat or three pounds or whatever mm -hmm. amount you need and everything will heal. You don't need any supplements. You don't need to do any other healing. And voila, you'll be okay. But I've, you know, now, you know, since being on your guys' show about over a year ago, I've met with so many clients that are just meat based. And, you know, a lot of them, I mean, I wouldn't be serving these clients if they just healed with meat, right? If it was that simple. And so it's just really, how do I get to a broader audience of one, that meat can heal a lot, but then two, once you are trying a meat based diet, how do you personalize it and not just focus on, you know, the sellers out there that are like, look at me now, look at the few hundred pounds I've lost and like how beautiful I look. Um, and 
you know, breaking through kind of that dogma and, uh, you know, just these ways that people sell that are so sensationalized and just be realistic with healing. Because if we get to a more realistic thought of meat heals and, you know, ketogenic diets, then people may stick to it longer, right? And try to find what works for them in a way that's really therapeutic and truly healing. That's so true. I love that. Because you might have people I've, I've run into that too, where people may try the carnivore diet and it's like, yeah, just beef and salt and water. Then it doesn't work. And then it's like, well, now they're just back to what they were doing before, which is not, it's not any better. It would have been better for them to kind of just try to alter that, that carnivore base. Right. So yeah, really good stuff. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about this, but you know, with all the attention being given to health this year, um, it's been frustrating. It's been frustrating to see, you know, where the emphasis has been placed. Uh, especially when addressing the virus. We've seen everything from mask mandates and attention being given to hand washing, um, physical distancing, but barely anyone has mentioned, you know, nutrient status, sunlight and exercise, eliminating crappy foods, environmental toxins, et cetera. So I thought that would be a great way for you to distinguish, you know, what you mean when you say root cause healing. So can you define what that is for us and how it would differ from the status quo? Sure. So in nutritional therapy, we really define root cause healing as sort of the kind of fundamental areas of health that you need to be healthy. So part of that is digestive health. So it's like your stomach, your, you know, upper GI, the liver, gallbladder, uh, the small intestine and large intestine, and then sugar, um, sugar balances, uh, mineral balance and hydration and fatty acids. So Um, So in this whole kind of belief system of the nutritional therapy, immune system is actually a consequence of anything that can be broken in the foundations, right? The ones I just brought up. So, you know, as COVID is coming out and people are saying, oh, we need to focus on immune health or what, what supports your immune system? Well, the root cause is really maybe something upstream is broken, right? So maybe your gut is where, if you think about it, your small intestine houses 70 to 80% of your immune cells. So if your small intestine is kind of not functioning well, you have, you know, holes in your gut, that's causing autoimmune to, you know, proteins to leak out into your blood and then causing you to have illness. Well, how, how do we think then that the immune cells in our small intestine are going to support our body, right? So maybe it's really that we need to fix the small intestine rather than what you know, band-aids can we use to make our immune system stronger in the moment? And so, you know, I politically, I have my very strong points of view in terms of the mass and a separation, but I don't get into it because I already argue with so many people online about vegan diets or repeat or carbs (laughs) and hormones. So it's just like one more battle. But what I will say is that I, you know, you have to just take a step back and think about the World Health Organization, they are big fans of canola oil. And if you think about where canola oil comes from, it's derived from the rapeseed plant, which is toxic for humans to consume. So yep. they do this sort of finagling. And I talk about it in Carnivore Cure. I have a graphic of how they make it, but they bleach it so it doesn't smell oh, like so bad. oxidized. Um, they make it more you know, consumable, but there's traces of toxins and they permit it. The government permits it. And to say that this is okay or recommended for what we should eat. It's, it's a big red flag, right? So then it's like, how much of the information they're sharing about what foods we should eat? um, Should we really hold to value? Um, When it comes to food, I really think that 
getting to gut health is really important. That's one of the kind of root cause healings I say is if you have enough stomach acid and you have enough, you know, health in the digestive process, then maybe your small intestine will heal up. And, you know, sometimes you need supports for this. Um, But over time, then maybe your immune health will get better. And what I've seen with my clients is that a lot of clients that suffer from really bad mucus, uh, that suffer from really bad seasonal allergies, as they heal their gut and eat a meat-based diet, then their allergies during, you know, seasonal allergy times gets better. And it's a sign again, that's root cause healing, right? Not let's take a Claritin or Allegra and, you know, stop the, the histamine response, but what if we just heal the immune system, right? And yeah. the immune system is majority in your gut. And so, you know, the, even these hand sanitizers, like that's where my root cause is like, you know, I have like a little bit of heartburn is that, I mean, I've written a blog post on it and most multiple posts, but our hands and our skin have so many microbes and bacteria yeah. and it's, our first defense mechanism to the outside world. So it protects our bodies. And that's why when you hear about these, like don't touch, you know, receipts or don't touch plastic because the BPA can get on your hands and cause hormonal issues, right? So if we know that is true, and then we use hand sanitizers that are killing germs on our bodies, right? What does that do to us? And the thing is, if you look into the details of how to use sanitizers, you have to actually use multiple pumps, have your hands fully drenched and then rub for 30 full seconds and not touch anything. And then hopefully then it can kill some of the microbes. And if you're not doing it that way, then all you're really doing is spreading the germs around. Yeah. And then if you think about it, a lot of kids use these bacteria, antibacterials right after they play before they go eat um, during all of these like kid play places. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a significant and you can look on the CDC website where kids accidentally consume hand sanitizer and they are poisoned. But think about how many times kids use hand sanitizers after playing on the playscape mm-hmm. and then eating. Right. Mm-hmm. So then they're obviously getting some of that hand sanitizer in their mouth. And again, this is killing bacteria that we need to thrive in. So the question is, are these hand sanitizers doing more good or are they doing more harm? And I mean, there is a laundry list of just on the FDA site now that say, do not use these hand sanitizers. They can actually do really significant harm. And the fact that even this list has come out since COVID, how do you know that your product is not going to get on there soon? right? It's just, it's very concerning. The mask and all that, I'm just not going to get into it. But again, if you fix your support, your immune system, maybe that is the best defense than all of these band-aids. I agree. I'm I'm that mom who like, when my kids go for the hand sanitizer, I'm like, no. Yeah, but they don't do it. Oh, I totally do that too. But dude, let me, let me just I'm like, just wash your hands. Just wash your hands. (laughs) Look, we, we, we never, we never wore a mask. Um, The first time we wore a mask, we never owned one. We never bought one. Forget about buying. I'm not gonna buy one. Oh my one. gosh! I'm never a gonna spend my money one. on a freaking face diaper. But like, can you imagine <laughs> the first time we have to put on masks is when we go to the airport and we fly to Mexico in August, 
And, um, and then when we get to Mexico, everybody's like spraying the hand sanitizers on us as we go into the, the restaurant. They literally sprayed our whole body. We had to like walk through like, um, yeah. it looked like a metal detector, but it was hand but sanitizer. That not, was, that it was sanitizer. Always. Yeah, but then they, they would put them on our hands. Remember how many oh pumps gosh, they would put? Every time. And then, we, and then I would just be like, no, no, I, I, I'm going to give him some of mine. You know, and I would give the kids <laughs> so they don't give them. And then I would just like wipe it off so that it just like kind of yeah. fell off his hands. But even then, that's when we got COVID. <laughs> First time we wear masks, and I'm telling you, the like first we were. Time I wear masks and I sanitize. We were wearing masks at the airport on the plane, so packed funny. plane, you know. And then we come back and we get it. I mean, it was Maura says the the keto flu was worse, but yeah, like, and the kids went through it in like 36 hours. But it speaks to your point of like, let's put the focus on on strong immune systems. And thankfully, we have a good, yeah, you know, we have a good immune system. And and of course, we we know that most people don't. So like we, we quarantined and we self-isolated after that, right. but I mean, it wasn't a big deal, but it's yeah. just kind of ironic that it happened that way. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I didn't tell uh, many people about this situation, but I went to go visit my parents in Los Angeles during COVID. And, you know, obviously we had to wear the mask and they were basically social distancing us to get onto the plane. And so it's like, okay, this is normal. I keep seeing things like this. We're in a line, but having this space. And then as soon as, you know, I turn the corner and we're on the plane, every <laughs> single seat is yeah. filled. Every so yeah, I same. was in shock, right? So it's like, what? Okay, passing. so to make money, you're okay that we're on a plane that has very minimal oxygen circulating. And then we're all literally every single seat is taken all the way to the bathroom front and back. But you want us to social distance getting on the plane. And then when we eat right next to the person that we don't know who's next to us, we are allowed to take off our mask and we are all given snacks at the same time or drinks or whatever they were serving. So we all have our masks off at the exact same time. But again, when we exited the plane, we did social distancing again. And it's just, it makes what? Sense, yeah. You know, it's like cinema, it's, it's theater. But that's why it's like, it's not, it doesn't, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like it has a lot to do with health. You no, know? I mean, it's kind yeah. of just like after 9-11 when, you know, when the shoe bomber came and then like we had to take off our shoes and that's still here. Like we literally yeah. still have to take off our or shoes. Or the three ounces, the three oh, ounces. Oh, the three ounce thing. Yeah. Or like, um. People used to be able to come with us to the gate and say bye. Yeah. And now if you're not going on the plane, you can't come in at all. Right. So all of these things, it's really unfortunate. Um, But, you know, the thing is, fine, if you're going to have these rules then stop being so hypocritical in so many other ways. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's that's all. Right. So like, I know when we went to Los Angeles, they were like, okay, we can have outdoor eating, but you can't have it inside. And I, I don't know how there's really a difference in that. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So, um, all right. So let's talk about this. Cause um, I don't think we talked about this on the podcast last time, but you know, obviously you went through your own health scare almost three years ago, dealing with depression and eating disorders. And nowadays, you know, so many people are choosing diets based on, you know, weight loss, you know, um, and, but the carnivore diets about much more than that. And um, so can you, can you, ex- you know, share some information on, areas where this way of eating may be helpful um, and wherever possible, explain why you think so many people are finding relief in these areas. Sure. So, you know, we talked about root cause healing and the thing is, even if your gut health is not the greatest, meat is just more bioavailable and it's more. So what that means is really that 
the nutrients in meat will just be digested and absorbed and utilized by the body much more than like if you get vitamin A from carrots, which then have to kind of break down and then, you know, morph into the absorbable version, which if, again, if you don't have the gene snip, it might not even work. And, you know, there's all these like caveats to it. Whereas if you just eat meat, you have a higher chance of breaking down the nutrients. And so when you are on a meat-based diet, you're finally fueling your body with the proper nutrition it needs. Uh, You're getting a good amount of fat, which we need for hormone health, for mental health. And so, you know, the thing is that if you were always an under eater or restricting calories, if you start eating a lot of meat and fat, then there's a chance that you may not lose weight, but the benefits the all the other benefits of carnivore are, you know, very revealing. And anecdotally, there's so many stories of people healing. And then in the book, I talk through some of the science as to why that may be, but Yeah. uh, If you were, you know, obese, your chance of losing weight is high because your body doesn't want to be sick, right? So an obese body is not obese because it chooses to be, it's because something's wrong and something's sick. And so you're gaining weight. And so as you heal your root cause and you're eating a meat-based diet, then you will likely be in this kind of normal weight range, but a lot of people want to be thinner than that. And so that's where it's like, do you compensate and just eat less fat and then, um, you know, risk your hormone health, but that's where, you know, people have to choose those levers. But in general, I mean, if it's mental health, um, I mean, my, me personally, I struggled with an eating disorder for over 12 years and I was plant-based for that long. I didn't know how important fat was. I thought fat made you fat. And so I went on a very low fat diet, but I struggled with mental health. My psychiatrist, after having that really bad postpartum depression situation, they told me that, yeah, it sounds like you've had mild depression your whole life. And, you know, there are some people that have to take uh, pain medication for the rest of their life. What's so wrong if you take antidepressants for the rest of your life? And they sold me on that I would have to take it forever. But, (laughs) you know, the more I did research, I would also see that it doesn't work forever. So people would have to keep mega dosing. And so I started with like 50 milligrams and then I was within two years. the story. Yeah, I was up at 200 milligrams. And then I was basically increasing and it's just not having the same effect. And then so my- And then the side effects, which are so horrible. Mm -hmm. My mood was nothing exciting. It's nothing. But nothing made me sad, right? And it's just, yeah, I was very- You're like a zombie. Yes, I was very muted. and, And then when it wasn't working as much, so there was times where I'd still feel kind of down- my psychiatrist was like, well, let me try to give you this add-on depressant medication, right? That is maybe used for schizophrenics and so on. But we have seen that it also helps with depression. So it was just this, let me give you more, let me give you more. And it just didn't feel right. And so I, I think people that are struggling with, you know, using medications for something in their body, I would, you know, highly recommend looking towards root cause healing to see if there's something that's, causing this issue to happen. So why, why are you having depression, right? Um, there, there has to be an imbalance. And if, if it's just maybe that your gut is so damaged that it's not creating the neurotransmitters, or you're not eating enough fat to support the hormones to then support neurotransmitters, all of those take into play. So why not start naturally with more root cause healing, clean diet, and then, and then see if you really need those medications, right? Because every medication also has a side effect, which you should always read the inserts in these medications. And then secondly, they all deplete nutrients. So I don't think people think of that too. So I have in the book, there's a 
a page of like all these, you know, common medications. So statins, birth control pills, um, they all have nutrients that are depleted and, but we need these, some of these minerals as spark plugs for things to even function in the body. And no one talks about this, right? No one says my, my psychiatrist never said, well, since you're taking these antidepressants, you should also actually take these nutrients because it kind of depletes it. Right. No one says that when you're taking birth control pill, that Mm -hmm. you might need a little bit more zinc, or if you're taking statins, like you might need a little bit more CoQ10. There is no discussion about these things. And it's just, it's such a harm to people. And it's, it's just so unfortunate. It is. And isn't it, it's kind of funny because well, Dini would know about this, but doesn't birth control also deplete folate? B vitamins. Did you see that? It, it Which is crazy because everything. if you get off and you need to get pregnant, I know now you're depleted guys. I, 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 and I'm now gonna... we have birth defects, right? So it's like, it's all like a, I, I, thankfully Danny knew. So when I, I, the minute I got off birth or even, even when I was on the pill, he's like, you should probably take extra folate. Methylated. Or, yeah. Methylated methylated folate. Folate. Yeah. Uh, listen, Judy, I was part of, I was, this was the final nail in the coffin in 2010, yeah. 2011, I was working for a pharma company. And okay. that was when I decided to make my transition into medical device okay. because the last straw was when they, they wanted us to push a pill, um, a birth control pill that had methylfolate in it. Oh yeah. And, and, and let me tell you the truth. It was because the patent ran out on the old one and they needed something new to patent. Right. But what they were saying was that, look at all this research. You need to have folate on board, like two to three months before you decide to conceive, which is true. Right. But like, I was like, okay, so before I was supposed to go in and talk about the non-contraceptive benefits of these pills and how, look at how it clears up your skin and this and that. And, Mm -hmm. and now you want me to tell people that what their patients are taking for, to, to stop pregnancy, but still take the folate because in case you get pregnant and it just was like, I was like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) And so I went to medical device. I mean, and, and it's a little bit better but there's just a bunch of stuff there too. And so that one lasted another seven years before I quit, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard. So I was on a project for, um, for a strategy consulting firm. And so they worked with a lot of pharmaceutical companies. And so they had this like special cancer drug that's supposed to support, um, you know, just healing from cancer. And so I just remember being so disgusted by the way that we had, so the, our goal on this project was to find what is the perfect price point for this drug to make the most amount of money, but then have enough of the population that can even afford it. Wow. And so what I had to do every day was go through all the different hospitals in America and then find how many beds are in these hospitals wow. and how many are in like the cancer ward and And then do all these numbers to find the perfect kind of bliss point in economics to find out, okay, if you price it this amount higher, then you're not going to have enough population to make it worth the price. Right. And I get it. I mean, if we don't, if these companies don't make money, they're not going to do the research and development. I get it. But it's just when I saw how human life was. So I I asked the person, um, my manager, I was like, so what about all the people that can't afford it? And they're like, that's the price you pay for R&D. And it's just, I, I remember having a heavy heart after that project. It's like, wow, we price it. So only certain people that can afford it can pay for it. But everyone else, it's like, you're out of luck, right? And, like, and, and I think people that like people that are capitalist minded, because they know that we are, will say, well, wait a second there, you know, Judy, like that's capitalism. But understand that a lot of companies get subsidized right. with their research right, yeah, yeah. and then that's they don't, too. 
that they yeah. don't pass that on, especially the what do we call it again? What do we call it? The shot companies, the cop, the, the companies that give you shots. Oh, the give you yeah, because you can't see the words. Um, they are <laughs> one of the most highly subsidized, you know, type of medicine. And you can't sue them. You could sue the other ones. You can't, but yeah. you can't sue them. Anyways. anyways yeah no I, I i yeah i no trust me i my opinion of that is yeah so we went to my son's appointment yesterday and he was due for one and we said oh um i you know I say I i'm waiting to, to my husband i'm like i'm waiting yeah I, I said i'm waiting i i have to wait for my husband's approval and then oh i like that like, i like that actually well that. and then he gave me this scowl and he's like uh you know, he can't go to school. And then in my mind, I'm like, yeah, well, we homeschool. But I just was afraid he was going to report me for yes. all these things. So I said, they will too. Yeah. yeah um, I know that, but he's not five yet. So it's okay. We have some time. And that's how yeah. I left it. But it, it's such crap because if and they make you feel that so kind bad. Of stuff, but the thing is, there are laws that you can bypass getting those and still go to school, even though we're not going to send our kids to school. But it's just it's just so like, so he made me feel bad for not getting it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, Oh yeah. They shame you. It's, it's yeah. immediately shame. I've gotten it so and many most times. Most people, I mean, we've seen it with the, with the face diapers. Like most people don't want, <laughs> they don't want to, they don't want to be in conflict. I mean, it's true. Like not, not everybody is built like me where I'm like, what'd you say? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm like, sorry. No, no, yeah, like, like but even you, in most cases up until like, you know, the last three years, you know, you, you were that person who would just suffer silently and just go, go along to get along, you know? Yeah. But I didn't have really much to go, go along with. Like, yeah, right that's now. true. Yeah. Yeah. I could live my life before <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> so anyways, um, we've got a ton of questions here. So, all right. Uh, so a lot of people, you know, they've tried a lot of different types of elimination diets, you know, many of them, for example, they're helping people find relief from conditions like IBS, IBD, colitis, and other autoimmune disorders. You mentioned that as, as good as a lot of these approaches are, um, none of them fully eliminate fruits and veggies. Yes. Um, so with, with vegetables and other foods, such as, is it legumes? I say legumes. I don't legumes. Know. Legumes. I say legumes. <laughs> I, say legumes. <laughs> I, I used to say that too, but that so many people were saying legumes that I just started going with legumes. Well, anyways, so <laughs> legumes, we know that to be wary of certain things like lectins, uh, phytates and oxalate, uh, oxalates. oxalates. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's another one that I say. I'm like, is it like tomato, tomato? Like, I was correct. and said that it's oxalates, but I, I used to say I usually oxalates. say oxalate. Okay. Oxalates. It's like the, the English language is so bad because like, I know. it breaks so You don't realize rules. until you homeschool your when kids. When you've got like in yes. Spanish. Do you speak any other language, Judy? I speak Korean. Okay. So like so I'm sure yeah, your kids. rules, your grammar rules and your. It's so much easier. They're probably. so much more yeah. straightforward. They're like structured. we break every, yeah. every like rule Spanish. in this country. In this, well, you know oh, what? not this country, in this language. Well, now that my kids are, they're actually learning Spanish. It's easier. Desmond says, oh my gosh, it's so much easier. I'm like, it is because it's so phonetic. It's like not yes. English. Yeah. Well, anyways, back to our oxalates because <laughs> we totally went off on a tangent. So can you share with us, you know, how some, how some fruits may be problematic for those who are considering uh, trying yes. a carnivore type of elimination diet, um, but they just love their fruit? Yes. So, you know, let me, let me take a step back with that real quick. So I, when I was writing the book, I have a part that talks about reintroducing. So I was like, okay, what, and I get it a lot. What are the safest plants and fruits and vegetables um, for, you know, carnivores to start reintroducing? And so I started really getting into the research and the answer is like, there is no, there is no specific 
plant food that's safe for everybody, right? right. So, um, and what I ended up doing is creating a d- database that I'll release in 2021, but it has every single kind of plant food and all the different components you got to think of. So like you said, lectins and phytates and oxalates. Um, if you were on a like low carb diet or a autoimmune paleo, that's another elimination or the GAPS protocol, right? The gut and psychology syndrome. So if you consider every single one, then basically no plant will ever be okay. That's the truth. And so I think it's really bioavailable. Uh, I'm sorry, bio individual. So it yeah. really depends on your situation, right? So like my kids, they're really young. They are meat-based. They have maybe 50 grams of carbs a day, probably less than that. So if they want to have an apple at the end of the day and an organic apple, ideally, and if they want to have it at the end of the day, then I don't think it's that bad for them, right? But then my mom, who was diabetic and then went carnivore to manage her blood sugars, and she also had asthma, dermatitis, and all these things because of consequences of having high blood sugar, for her, having some fruit isn't ideal, right? So these are very, you have to know your own personal story and then figure out, does this really make sense for me to do? So that's why I'm a big fan of measuring your glucose levels. I know it doesn't measure everything in the sugars, but it still measures a good amount to kind of get an idea of what insulin is doing in your body. But in general, in terms of fruit, so there is the FODMAP diet, right? So that is reducing, basically, that is removing a lot of the sugars that these bacteria then survive off of in your gut. So if you have a gut disease, FODMAP is kind of the rule of thumb that a lot of these, um, I guess, clinical places use to get people to heal their gut. And if you look at it, most fruits are on there. So it's the oligosaccharides and then the DMAP, right? Um, and so a lot of the fruits are on there because again, the when these fruits break down some of the bacteria it produces, then so, I mean, then it feeds some of the kind of bad gut bugs in the body. And then those bad gut bugs are what release the gas that then cause blow and just feeling unwellness. So knowing that if you have some gut issues, it may not be beneficial to be eating some fruit. For example, if you have struggled with fungal overgrowth or candida, right? So you have jock itch, yeast infections, uh, um, athlete's foot, all of these is extra fungus in your body. And if that's the case, then you don't want to be feeding it sugars because every fruit will feed those things and the opportunistic yeast, all of those can survive off it. And then you can have a harder problem. I mean, harder time healing. So the other thing is fruits are really high in salicylates. Some people are allergic to salicylates, right? So again, I think this is where I hope my database will help people figure out, you know, do I want to eat broccoli and then see all the different things that it kind of has and then figure out if, okay, well, it's low in oxalates, so I can eat that. It's safe for me. But in general, you really have to know your own personalized health and then also all the things that are within these foods and then make the decision. So when I see these, the safest plant foods are X, Y, Z, it's just really like I could poke holes for every single food that's just put in. And so I listed 10. I know that some people already disagree with some of them and that's totally fine, but I gave my reasoning. But other than that, really, it's really hard to say that a certain food is safe for everybody because I don't agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that, which would bring me to like, um, an MRT panel. Like I did an MRT panel and I have stuff that, that maybe is fine for other people. Right. Like I am sensitive to even, yeah, even some carnivore foods, right? Like tuna, tuna, turkey, and tilapia. Turkey gives me migraines. Um, and then like one of my red foods is pear. I would have never known that. Right. Like I would have where someone else might be able to eat some pears, right? But that's why it is. It's so bio-individual. Like 
people ask me all the time because I'll tell them, oh, I'm meat-based, I'm carnivore. Well, what do you eat when you eat um, plants? And I'm like, well, I eat the plants that I know. Right. Because I actually had a test. Um, And even then, even then, Judy, I don't, I still, even the ones that I'm, that are safe, I still don't feel as good over time. Yeah. Like it's not something that you like it's eat not every something day. that I would be eating every day because I just feel just sure. when I'm not, you know, like for example, like maybe cabbage, right? Like it's not one of my yellow or red foods, but if I'm eating it every single day, I'm probably eventually going to feel bloated. I'm not going to feel yes. my best. Get the cabbage poop, the cabbage. Poop. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think adding back plants, once you kind of get to a baseline of healing. And what I mean by that is really just Day in and day out, you're not no longer having any physical symptoms. Your blood glucose is um, evened out. You don't really, you could sleep through the night and you're, you know, you're managing your lifestyle stress as well. And all those things are then at baseline. So, you know, again, no, no issues with like poops and stuff and then, or in general. And then if you want to start reintroducing and reintroducing in a way that's a proper reintroduction protocol, then I think it's fine, right? If you want to figure out what plants are for variety rather than health. I'm totally supportive of that. Right. Yeah. And, and I love your whole approach, Judy. Like you're such a grown up in a, in a sea of, <laughs> of children, because like, I mean, even me, I've, I've been, I've, I've really been conscious of this in the last year and a half, but I think everyone listening should, should just pay attention to all these things. Like, like what could go wrong. And it's not about like, don't eat this or eat that, you know, just understand what, could go wrong sure. just like with your genetics like when you get your dna read and and there's all these things that that supposedly you're more susceptible to or should present in some way as a some sort of symptom and they don't you know and so it's like if they're not applicable then don't worry about them right. but if something's going wrong now you know why right yeah no yeah. and i um i mean that really goes into the conversation with the whole poofus thing right so there may be some factual truth to polyunsaturated uh, unsaturated fatty acids being not so ideal in your body. But the thing is for the majority of people that are just trying to not even have metabolic disease and are eating meat based, I don't think they have to worry about that. Maybe if they want to lose like the last five pounds and then they want to, you know, hyper-focus on health or something, maybe then they can use it as a lever. But I think yeah. in general, it's so out of context, right? So I, what I see, because, you know, I'm pretty new to the nutrition space. If you think about it, like I have my business consulting hat and I think what, what is most effective, how can you help people get the message of nutrition and, and, um, have it understood by like the majority, right. Cause that's a lot of the stuff I had to do in my consulting days. And I noticed that people grab onto these little facts and then they extrapolate from it. Right. Oh my gosh. Magnesium is this like power tool. And then you use it on everything. Right. Same thing with vitamin C. Um, but it's, while there's technical scientific truth, I think we are dismissing the fact of the toxins in the environment. What if there are environmental toxins that then work with something in our cells, right? That then cause harm. We don't believe in faith, right? I, I believe in God. And I believe that there are stuff, there's healing that we can even as humans scientifically finagle, right? Yeah. We, there are so many different cases of cancer and rare cases and this and that, and we can't say it is this one specific thing. And if we fix this one amount of sugar or one amount of PUFA, we're going to heal everything, right? Our bodies are way more complicated than that. And I think it's a disservice that when we do that kind of stuff, and that's when, that's when I get like upset because then people are like, Oh my gosh, I just need to not eat the chicken and pork from the market. And I am going to get healed. And maybe I can have some honey or fruit or whatever. Right. Right. But 
it's more, and all of those things may have factual truth, but it's way more complicated than that, right? So why don't we just take it easy, eat just meat, right? And then, and then fine tune as needed, right? So if you want to add the honey, go for it. If you want to remove the poofas, go for it. But there is no one fact and one truth that, you know, because I can tell you, I could cite my clients that have eaten only grass-fed, grass-finished meats, no tail, and they still had to get on supplements. And then as soon as they did, they were able to get off their thyroid medication. Why is that, right? I have some clients that eat just grass-fed, grass-finished, and their linoleic acid is still high in their cells, right? It's just, it's, I think it's a disservice when we humans think that we know everything, when we really, yeah. really probably are just scratching the surface. Yep. That's so true. There's a really good quote that came to mind when you were talking about this. And it's basically that I'm not young enough to know everything. Yes. You know, <laughs> like, like so as true. you get older and you learn more, you realize. Yes. Like, well, you don't know, you know anything. Yeah. yeah. It's the totally. Dunning-Kruger effect happening everywhere. So, um, so look, you, you, there's no secret. Like, I think you are top graphics, queen. graphics queen. Like graphics you make queen. the you. best infographics <laughs> on nutrients, fiber, antioxidants, all these other topics, cholesterol. It's impressive for sure. And, you Thank know, you. on the book, I think you said you spent over a thousand hours working on the nutrition guide with over 200 color graphics. So I wanted to know if you, you can share a few of the graphics that you think um, were an aha moment for you, or that maybe would lead an aha, lead to an aha moment for the reader. Sure. So there's not a ton of the kind of Instagram looking graphics in the book because it just takes so much space, but there's definitely a lot of tables and there are graphics, but just that's my like, because I think people think that everything that's on my Instagram page is going to be in the book, but it's not like one of the same format. Yeah. 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 It's, it's different. Books are just such a different animal, but so I think the biggest things I realized is fiber, right? So when I was doing the research on fiber and then realizing that butyrate is actually derived, uh, butter is derived from the word butyrate, you know, which oh, is actually yeah, for that's a gut great health. one. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, so that, that one, I was like, what? That's a good one. We don't I, I didn't learn that one that long ago either. That yeah. Awesome. Like, I, didn't, I didn't know that. That's pretty yeah. awesome. So we don't need short chain fatty acids, which produce butyrate from plants. And again, it's that whole breaking down, right? So it's not that plants from the fiber is actually giving you gut health. That is not a true statement at all. It's the plants that have these short chain fatty acids that hopefully convert and then make the butyrate, right? So again, it's these like steps that have to go through the process. And again, if you don't have gut health, how is that going to even happen, right? right? Whereas butter, it's naturally has the bioavailable form of butyrate. I know there are plant like advocates that are, it's not enough butter, you know, that you're consuming to have the butyrate, but I don't have a bit over my house. house. That's the thing. It's like, I don't, I know that's true too. My kids will, I'm sure your kids probably do the same. Yeah, totally. I'm like, my kids will eat like a cheese block. It looks like a cheese block, but it's butter. I know they just melt it in their mouth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Dean likes it cold. So it looks like cheese. He's like, just cut me like a a thing. And every morning. Oh, my kids do that too. So. Yeah, maybe and butyrate is like, look, we like everything is so accepted. Like it, it's automatically, I guess the book is closed. Like there, you need, you need short chain fatty acids for gut health. Like, you know, it's supposed right. to improve alpha divorce, diversity or whatever it is that it's supposed right. to do. But no one looked into, I mean, no one, as far I as like, people like you and I are looking into that, they're just trusting an expert and they're saying, okay, I guess I need, I need fiber to build that, to build that gut health, you know? Yeah. And like another one is vitamin C, right? So mm-hmm. uh, as I was doing the research for the book, I show a table where vitamin C has doubled basically in t- just 20 years, the recommended daily allowance, right? So the question is, 
they were wrong 20 years ago that they had to double it. <laughs> so then are we up for another, are we up for another double in this? Yeah. Right. So it just, they'll again. So if we know that they're not entirely sure and they show that they do these studies of repletion and depletion to kind of see, okay, at what point is somebody's body depleted? And then what point is somebody's body repleted with the vitamin C? And then they're like, that's how they kind of define it. But how were they so wrong by, you know, double the amount? And then, then what does that kind of say about the recommend daily value? Do we need that much vitamin C? Right. And so, and then another story is, you know, we always talk, people always talk about the sailors and the scurvy happening. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. all of those sailors, every single one of them had the same diet, right? Only 50% of them got scurvy. So the other 50% didn't even get scurvy, even if they weren't eating enough vitamin C. So again, fact is vitamin C may be needed for scurvy, but there's other things in play because how do you explain the other 50% that right. never got scurvy on the boat, right? It's just these things where, again, there's just so much fear. And I talked through all of the arguments about vitamin C and how it's it just doesn't hold. And again, it's just we are so thought to think that vitamin C is so good because of the antioxidants. Well, in the body, if you have too many antioxidants, they could become pro-oxidants Pro-oxidant. and they can actually cause inflammation. Yep. So it just drives me wild. And then, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's their, sh- their juice, juice, you know, it shots. just, it just goes, it <laughs> goes like time. another thing that you can point out is like, like you mentioned, like all of these things, they thought they weren't enough. And then mm-hmm. you can at the same time talk about like, they recommend, what is it like two grams of sodium a day? And we have, I don't know, 16 grams of sodium in our body. Sure. And then they recommend like 40 grams of sugar a day or something. Mm-hmm. And we have five grams of sugar yep. in our body. So it's like, well, here's the thing, so their, but their recommendations are for people following their food pyramid. Do you get what I'm saying? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, right. Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. that's how I kind of calorie it, right? diet. Like, like it's a calorie you're following restricted, a high, high carb diet. High carb, so yeah, fat. keep your salt low fam. Right. Because yeah. if you are eating a lot of carbs, you for probably gram, don't want to have the salt. Like, I think it's like right, right. grams of salt. Which is what I have to explain to people because um, they li- I literally have my little salt right oh, at, the, yeah. at the gym. And people are always like, what do you, what is that? I'm like, it's just salt. You know, they probably think it's like some weird pre-workout yeah, like or something. Pre- oh, is that, is that like, like does it hit quicker? Let me get that pre-workout. I'm like, it's just salt, guys. But I have to explain to people, they're like, oh, salt, right? Oh, but my, 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 uh, what do people say? Blood pressure or whatever? Oh yeah, my blood pressure. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. if you're eating high really high carb, well then yeah, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be having that. But also you, you're not going to have an acute episode if you don't have high blood pressure to begin with. Right. Of course. Of you know? course. Like, no, so it's it's like, like, I know. It's just yeah. like, we don't like, that's why that's part of why we love doing this because if we could just get people to think one more step and then next week, maybe think one more step and then just keep, keep going right. down that path. Yeah. Right. And you're just going to be so and, much. And there are actually studies. There's studies that show that low sodium actually causes insulin resistance. So the oh, whole wow. belief that salt is the danger is actually not true. I mean, blood pressure is actually related to metabolic disease, right? So again, it's what's the root cause, right? Is the root cause that your diet is recommending that you have like 300 grams of carbs every day, right? That yeah. is like damaging your gut and raising your blood glucose. If we only have five grams of blood sugars um, at any time in our blood, then imagine like this inundation of hundred every meal, right? And I'm sure most people eat even more than that, that are on a standard American diet. Well, your body goes into this emergency state of shock, right? So it's just, 
maybe it's the diet and not that we really need um, that we should fear salt. These are all band-aids, all band. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, exactly. Well, so I like the idea of adapting diets to individuals, of course. So as an NTP, I'm willing to bet you approach it different, uh, differently than others. You know, for example, the calories and macros thing comes up often, but a lot of the time, the main reason uh, people have to restrict calories is because they're eating the wrong foods. Right. Um, but you delve into transitioning how much to eat and drink and why, you know, other lifestyle uh, levers that we can pull and preparation and planning, of course, with some emphasis placed on mindset, super important. Uh, can you go into some of these aspects with, uh, you know, of personalizing carnivore the way you envision it? Yeah. So you know, when I first started, I trusted a lot of the anecdotal stories of years of being on carnivore and sort of the general rule of thumb is eat a lot of meat. And I totally agree with that. When you are transitioning, if you're craving carbs, just eat a lot of meat, eat a lot of fat. So you don't have to, so your body is nourished. So all you have to do is combat the mental part, right? It's not that your body is also craving calories. So that part I agree with, but then the whole, just kind of the rule of thumb is eat about two pounds of meat a day. Well, most of my clients, a lot of them, I would say over 80% are women and a lot of them have metabolic disease. They have thyroid issues, hormone issues, and they do not do well with two pounds of meat. So I, you know, typically they will transition to having about one pound of meat. And again, it depends on your body mass and all these things and requirements for protein. But in general, they eat about one pound to maybe a uh, one and a quarter pounds of meat. And then they eat about 70% fat or even 80 if they can tolerate if their gut health is there. And then they feel so much better. Their energy finally picks up again. Uh, They're sleeping through the night. Those are the two biggest things. And then they like start getting their period back and things like that. So I really think that when we have this dogma again of, hey, eat two pounds of meat, and then you could look like this bikini body person, people believe in that. And then when it doesn't happen for them, which most people, it will not then they're like, screw this diet. I gave up everything, just meat, and I don't even feel good or look good. Then this yeah, isn't forget for me, it. right? Yeah. But if we had a more realistic approach getting into it, right, where meat can heal a lot, it can be an elimination diet. You can decide if you want to incorporate things again, but really it's a healing diet and you can get thinner, right? I think it's a much more realistic approach. And then if you have hiccups in the way, you kind of expect it, right? So it's not this false expectation of, like perfection. And so, you know, okay, I'm not feeling well, like, what do I need to do to kind of, you know, use a lever to heal this process. So again, I think listening to so many people and, you know, these podcasts and educating yourself is so important, but then finding what works for you is the ultimate key, right? Your, our body has these feedback mechanisms, right? So if there's a food that's rotten, our body instinctually is like, don't eat it, right? When we're tired, our body is telling us to go take a nap, right? And when we're full, so all these things, if you listen to your body and let's say you are eating the two pounds and now all of a sudden you were initially feeling well, but now you may have, you know, diminishing energy. It's probably a sign that maybe you're eating too much protein or maybe you're having too much meat in one meal and it's an, uh, it's an adverse effect on the digestive process, right? So listen to your body. That's the biggest thing I'd say, take away. And then you can test, you can do a little bit of the blood glucose tracking, figure out like if you're waking up in the middle of the night, multiple times a night. Now, these are all signs that your body's like something's wrong. So Mm -hmm. I would, my personalized carnivore is really trust yourself more than anyone. And then, you know, just use levers. And I talk about in the book, like the macro shift is huge for women, especially Um, make sure you're eating enough, 
make sure you're eating enough fat so that your hormones can have the support and you need to also manage lifestyle, right? So your cortisol is created by steroid hormones, which is derived from cholesterol. So if you are scared of fat still, right, you're not eating enough saturated fat and cholesterols. And yes, a lot of that is already just created in your body, but if you're not eating enough and then you have all this excess cortisol, your body will use all the nutrients to create cortisol and not create your sex hormones. So you have to think about these things and why under eating is so dangerous for the body. That makes perfect sense. It's like, um, years yeah i was the finally same. not yeah i was well, the yeah. same that, because yeah. we were eating the wrong foods right like that someone asked me oh uh, carla one of my girls she was reading through my program and she's like have you really had eating disorders that long i'm like well yeah carla because i never knew what to eat so yeah. i truly just accepted the fact that i was that person that, I'm that have I, to I just have to starve she would always and i was fine with it i had become a professional starver okay yeah. i had tricks i mean coffee all day like i can starve and that's yeah. actually been a struggle now when I'm trying to get healthy, where I would track sometimes to make sure I was eating enough because I'm yeah, I, totally. I can start, starve. Yeah. Easy, right? Nowadays I'm worried because you're working so, so hard and I want to So now sure. I like, I, I make myself sometimes eat. because Yeah. Like she's, she's, she's been working and then she's been doing another little side gig there. And, and like, you know, it's like, it's seven 30 at night and she's still working. And I'm like, have you eaten today? No, I haven't. I haven't. eaten. Yeah. And that's a danger. So that's another thing. So for the first time in most women's lives, right. And it could be men too, but it's, they don't feel hangry. So all of a sudden it's like, wow. Right. So like you and me could have been good at, you know, not eating before carnivore keto, but for other people, they maybe didn't have that level of um, restraint. And so now all of a sudden they almost never feel hungry. Yeah, you never. And so hungry. then they use it as a way to not eat, and then they start under eating, and then they're like, "Why is my hair falling out? Why are my hormones depleted? Why am I, you know, not sleeping through the night? Things like that." But it's really, I think, people use being in ketosis and fat adapted and not feeling hungry as a way to kind of under eat. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. We hear that one. We often. hear that all the time. I, 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 I lose nine hundred calories a day, but I'm, I'm like, not you hungry. are not fasting. Anymore. I know. Okay, it's been a week. Like, <laughs> we're not in naked and afraid. <laughs> Gotta eat. <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna switch gears because, like, you know, I I think it's funny because, you know, and I and this is why we want to educate people because a lot of people are gluten free. You know, they're they're cutting out things like soy and they're right. cutting out you know, lectins or GMOs. And, you know, of course, there's always that backlash. And, you know, some of it's just going to be, you know, people who are just like smart Alex, and, you know, they just want to like, be the person like, oh, gluten, that funny that there's no gluten sensitivities in poor countries. And I'm like, dude, because they're just trying to survive over there. It's a different, you know, it's a different story. But like, you know, ironically, it's like a lot of the time, it's like food scientists and stuff. So I think it's uh, one that um, I'm curious, because I honestly, you know, we don't, everything that we buy is going to be, if it's going to be produce, it's going to be organic. It's going to be non-GMO. Um, but like, what are some of the possible ways that GMOs can, you know, kind of affect us? Um, so just the fact that something's a GMO, how does, how does, how could that possibly affect our health? Yeah. So I did so much research and this is probably one of the big ahas for me. And I haven't really talked about it much on social media, but you know, I always knew something was off about GMO foods. And then I did the research and it's just so, so shocking. So basically the way that GMOs work 
um, in a very simplistic way is that they block a pathway in plants, right? So they block this pathway that then will kill the plant. And so it cannot produce, it cannot metabolize. Oh, like protein. the Terminator technology or whatever. So you got to replant, re replant it every year. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. No. So that's the GMO plants. I mean, the, um, the crops. So what, the, so the way that genetically modified foods work is that these uh, plants basically, or the spray, um, they, these GMO plants, they have this pathway. So all plants have a pathway called the shikamet pathway. And then what these sprays do is they spray glyphosate or, you know, other types of um, sprays, and then it kills that pathway from functioning. And then it kills the plant. So like it cannot process these uh, plant proteins. So the thing is with the GMO seeds, they, do some finagling where it bypasses that, right? So all of the sprays kill all the real plants, but then the GMO seeds, it doesn't affect them. So they get sprayed with this toxic thing. And I don't know exactly how that part of it works, but the thing is, so they have done multiple studies on how safe glyphosate and these GMO foods are for human health. And so human cells, they don't have that pathway. So it's a fact, right? There's, it's a fact that if you spray glyphosate or if you ate the glyphosate, it doesn't really do that much damage on your human cells. But the thing is, that's only one part of the story. And so that's how glyphosate has been considered legal for this long. Because yeah, they're looking at toxicity of glyphosate and it's like, look, it's not toxic. Look, we gave it to them. Nothing's happening. Right. But they're only looking at human cells. So this is where the danger comes from. Right. So so, you know, th they have this measurement called the LD50 where it's like. Um, in a very legal, lethal dose, like how much does this product kill a person, right? But in human cells, again, it's not going to do a huge damage. And so all the pro GMO people use that as their database, or their kind of point of reference. The thing is that glyphosate, if you, you know, as I was saying that the plants, it kills that pathway, well, it also kills bacteria pathways there too. And it kills our human bacteria cells. So that's the part that's not getting me measured. So all our gut health, it's killing all of that. So if you think about it, these glyphosates, every time you're eating it, you're eating antimicrobials. That's what it's doing in the body. And that's why it's so damaging. So, so it's there's killing, so many it's killing other... them all good and bad. It's just killing. Yeah. It's, it's an, so basically it, like there's a picture of the just sterilizing. Is it everything. like eating hand sanitizer? <laughs> yes. It so basically you have bacteria and then I show a picture in the, in the book, but there's this one pathway and this GMO spray blocks that pathway. And so then the, the species dies and for every bacteria in your gut, it has that pathway. And the oh. only way it could survive is if you don't block that. And so every time you're eating genetically modified. And so again, they could say, well, glyphosate is not really on your food, but it actually is. So there's such crap when they say that. It comes well, out example, in the milk. You've seen that, right? Like the, the glyphosate in the milk. Oh, yeah. yeah. What about if they're spraying yeah, the cows? Like, then so that's, that's not organic estrogen. Now. It's so hormonally disruptive, too. That's a whole different story. No. And then on top of that, now farmers use glyphosate as like the final round of when they're done farming because it actually dries the plants like a week faster. So they could turn over. So they're, we're getting an extra spray of it at the very end. And I mean, it can't even, it can kill everything. So how are you saying just rinsing with water is going to kill off all of this stuff, right? It's just, it's just not possible. And, and 
I go into these laundry list of diseases that ever since glyphosate has been approved and used in the last 20 years, how all of a sudden all these diseases are coming up and are shooting up this way. And that didn't exist. I'm okay with correlations. I'm I'm totally okay with correlations. Like, okay. Hey, this is, I feel like this is part of science and anyone who doesn't do this, like, how do you come up with, um, you know, like that's part of a hypothesis, right? Like getting to the, the scientific method. Yeah. But like, you know, you know, it, it just in general, like, I don't see why should I eat glyphosate? Tell me why I should eat it. Yeah, like, like, why are like, you so like I'm telling you, I'm not going to eat it. Like, I'm not. I know that it's in. And that's the You're other part, so like the hormonal, dis- the hormonally disruptive part, like, you it's know, hormonally how, disruptive. Yeah. yeah, no. So, but it's not only that. So like, this is a thing it's not even, and so this is where I get into so much detail. So in, in the book, the, there was a, there was a California groundsman that w- just sprayed the schools, not no plants, no vegetables, just spraying the weeds around the school. And after 20 years of him spraying, his doctor said that because of the glyphosate, he got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, lymphoma, right? So he has cancer. So they confirmed that it was the glyphosate. And so ever since he won in California for millions of dollars and granted their, um, uh, the Monsanto is um, fighting back, but all these thousands of cases are coming and that are showing these types of diseases, right? The thing is like, um, all these places. So they spray it in all parks, all public parks, you know, schools, and then the kids stomp on the ground that has these weeds. Well, I I forgot the exact amount, but I think the half-life for glyphosate or, you know, the uh, amount that it's still in the soil is at least 20 days. And so every time they're respraying, so the kids are getting it every time they dig in the dirt, step on the ground. Right. And so I'm like scared of my kids going in the, um, in the public parks parks because of the the same reason. They spray it everywhere. And I have a graphic of like just California and New York, how they spray it everywhere. And then can you look that up? Like, is there some place where I could look it up in my state? Yeah. I'll, um, I'll send you a link. I have a graphic of where they spray the most glyphosate in the U S and it's just so disturbing because the thing is, it's not just in our foods, it's in our soil. You know, our, we, a lot of people now spray their homes, right? So use this Roundup Ready on your plants in your houses and there goes all your weeds. And so people are using it, but then their kids play in the dirt, in the grass and, you know, um, pick up the soil and all of that, they're ingesting direct glyphosate. It's not even the byproduct of foods, right? So it's rampant everywhere. It's in our waters. And it's just, even if an organic pasture-raised farm is next to a GMO farm and the spray is being sprayed for sure. There is some on the pasture raised farm. And these are all the concerns of even with plant foods. Like I talk about how organic pesticides are safer than glyphosate, but there's still some level of harm. Right. Um, Yeah. So um, there's a lot more information about this glyphosate stuff, but it's really, really scary how, harmful it is oh and the one thing is so Bayer which is a pharmaceutical company right that's the company I left by the way that's that's, that was one of the last that was one of the last final straws like in 2017 yes let me tell you okay yeah and then I was like I can't do this that was that was like Danny told me that day he was like they just bought Monsanto I was like (laughs) so like six months before I quit but but so 
Bayer bought Monsanto and within one year of owning the company and probably they had, you know, the due diligence of all the paperwork and blah, blah, blah. They banned glyphosate in Germany. So the first year, so they know how bad it is. So basically Bayer allows Monsanto's glyphosate to be sold everywhere in the world. But by 2021, I think it is, I forget what exact date. It is banned in Germany. That's Bayer hilarious because Bayer's a German company. Yes. So it's banned in their own country. Bayer's a, a it's German banned in company. their own country. Yeah. They're like, don't spray us with that. Spray them. Exactly. But then they allow everywhere else in the world for it to be sold. And then you have to wonder, because there's all these companies that are um, buying these crop foods and then they're pharmaceutical companies. So, And I mentioned a few in the book. But if you, if you think about it, are they buying it because they know the poison so then they could create the you know the medicine to kind of balance that <laughs> i mean it's just it's really sad right? you just don't know what's going to happen yeah. yep that's the reason I, this last 10 minutes of our conversation is reason number five thousand why we need a homestead <laughs> oh my gosh i know I yeah know. because now i don't even want my kids now i'm gonna be crazy judy i'm gonna be like well, great. Now, where do I take my kids to play at the park? I need to take them to like some like preserve. But at least your kids are getting the least amount, right? So you're, yeah. Yeah. they're not at the schools, right? And they're so not like, getting it in the food. Yeah. Yes. So it's just, and that's where you have to trust your body. So the amount of, t- we're going to get exposed to toxins. It's inevitable, but at least you're doing some part, right? To minimize it. And that's what I hope with my kids, right? So I try to minimize all the food colorings because of all the toxins it has. Yeah. There's a whole part in the book about that too. I was in shock at, um, so like one of the red dyes it's banned in our skin. They finally FDA got it banned in the skincare, but it's still legal in our foods. Yeah. yeah, but it's legal. But it's legal in our food. It's insane. It literally we makes lose, things crazy right away. Yeah. With, with our younger. Well, dude, I mean, I had one piece was of it yellow like, or red. Both of all the food dyes. All yeah. the food dyes immediately. Yeah, like, toxic. I like lose eye contact. It's crazy. Yeah. So and immediately I'll have a headache if I even touch that. We stuff. vegetable oils, food dyes, that's a bare yeah, there's minimum. Certain things list that are non-negotiables. Yes, I, I totally agree. Yeah. But that removes yeah. most processed foods, like almost yeah, all processed things. foods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The <laughs> vegetable oils is usually the reason I'll put something back. Because yeah. some, mm, you know, these products true. that they market them, like, and they look great. It's yeah. paleo and you almost made it. Yep. And then you put canola oil. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, gotta yeah. put the product Or on. even that one company we had a sponsorship with, and then they put, they put, um, soybean. No, no, it wasn't soybean. Oh, that was one of the products. It was but then the other products was sunflower oil. And then I told them, Remember, I reached back out to him. I said, listen, we can't continue. I'm sorry. It's just not, you know, part I don't of- eat it. I'm not going to eat yeah. it. And yeah. then they told us that they replaced that with olive oil, which was oh, yeah, better. Yeah. But we still haven't. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Judy. This has been so great. We can sit here and talk about this stuff. <laughs> no. I love it. I'm so excited for your book. So I know. tell people, where can they find you? Where can they find out more about the book? We know it comes out December 2nd. Can they pre-order? And just any other information that you want us to share. Sure. Well, thank you for having me again. You know, I always love talking to the Vegas, but, and I love your we kids. Love you. Our kids are so close in age. So I know we I had know. them together. We missed, we missed KetoCon this year. We did. I know. We missed it. I know. Yeah. Getting so, together. um, I, you can find me at nutrition with Judy at, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. I have a website where I, you know, write a lot more about these blog posts. My hand sanitizer post is there. I talk about magnesium. Um, I know a lot of people are starting to follow the repeat diet. I did this really long kind of 
analysis on the diet on there, um, but that's nutritionwithjudy.com. You can pre-order the book on carnivorecure.com. The paperback is there. And then the ebook you could pre-sale on Amazon. And then if you buy before December 2nd, basically there is a pre-sale bonus and yeah, it'll, but everything will be on Amazon by December 2nd. And we're going to, re- awesome. we're going to review it. We'll, we'll, we'll get one an extra copy on Amazon just to just thank to you. Yeah, we always buy the copy anyway, but yeah, um, yeah we're excited. That's yeah. so fun. Maybe we'll do a giveaway with the other one. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what we'll do. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. Well, thank you thank so you. much, Judy. It was so good talking to you. Take thank care. you so much for having me again, guys. It's our pleasure. 